millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mr. Franks, your passport is quite in order. Well, anyone seeing you in that outfit, Money Penny, would most certainly be discouraged from leaving the country. What can I bring you back from Holland? A diamond? In a ring? Would you settle for a tulip? Yes. Of course, he departed the role then. He sort of tried to venture out, but he was back just four years later, looking slightly different, perhaps you might say, uh, for Diamonds Are Forever. But he managed to snag £1.25 million for the role, not dollars. So I think it was the biggest um, salary anyone had ever got for a, for a film at the, at the time. But he also was given a choice of two other films that from the same studio that he, of his choice that he wanted to do. I think one of them was possibly a Shakespeare, but Macbeth had never got made, and the other one was a bit of a flop, so if, again, I just feel a bit sorry for him, it's just like, he tries to get out of Bond at this stage, and do other things, and it didn't really quite work for him, and because Honor Majesty's was box office, it was nowhere near as big as You Only Live Twice, there was pressure on him to come back, to be fair to him, he used the fee uh, to establish this Scottish International Education Trust, so again, you know, like you say, Rob, context. No one mentions that, do they? I've not heard anyone mention that since he's died. I mean, he's obviously... This is back in 71, and this is so Scottish artists could apply for funding without having to leave their country to pursue their careers. So he gets criticised because he's a Scottish nationalist that doesn't live in Scotland, but here he is setting up a fund for people who want to get on the, the arts, the film trail without having to go to London, without having to go to LA. So, you know, he deserves, he deserves great credit for that. And goodness me, Broccoli and um, 
uh, Saltzman could afford him then. They could afford to give him that money to, to come back as Bond. But the film itself, Diamonds Are Forever, we'll, we'll be discussing it very, very soon with uh, License to Queer. We'll, we'll go into it in massive detail. Can't wait for that. <laughs> um, it's a really odd film. <laughs> it's nothing like the ones we've, we've mentioned so far. Harry, didn't you you watched it quite recently, didn't you? Yeah, I watched it just uh, maybe last week. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah, I think it was about last week. Um, and I have my own childhood problems with the film in terms of eeriness and a sort of... Uh, <laughs> Making mad pies, don't you know, it's all a bit weird. And I think Sean Connery looks a bit weird in it as well, to be honest. I think he, you know, he's, he's, he's weight, he's only like his weight fluctuates in the film. There are scenes where he looks as trim as ever, but then, you know, scenes where less so. But more, more strange than that are his eyebrows. They're kind of, they've grown, they've grown, started growing downwards towards his cheeks. But, but other than his image, I was quite... Pleased with how happy he seemed. It was yeah, like he, yeah. he, he's he's he's, um, he's friendly and uh, he's not like he is doing it. I know he's doing it for this fee and he's he's got kind of these ulterior motives for kind of taking on the role, perhaps. But he did seem happy to be back as James Bond and almost like he was happy to be back with the fans and doing it for the fans a little bit. Um, so I thought there was a really good nature about uh, his Bond. Certainly not, it didn't quite match, you know, his earlier portrayals of Bond in some ways, but I thought it was not a begrudging performance where he was just faxing it in at all. He um, he looked like he was pleased to be on set and also he seemed like, um, like I mentioned before, how having that weight of, you know, will anyone be able to success me, succeed me, sorry, and, you know, it seems like in that position he feels confident that someone else will be able to take it on after him. He feels... This is my last one, and I'm quite happy about that. You know, I'm sure they'll find a successor, and I can relax into the role for one last time. Um, so, on the actual episode where we talk about Diamonds Are Forever, there's lots to talk about, but his performance as Bond is actually quite um, quite happy and quite pleasing. And, like, sorry, just one thing to mention as well. Like, before you mentioned, you know, he tried his hand at a few things in between. Even directing, he'd, he'd given a go. Um, like I think in like 1967, you know, he's he's trying all these things out while he can, and I, there's something a little bit sad about you know he's spent his extra years in between films trying to do these things and nothing's quite working out for him, and it's a little bit frustrating and you know I I feel a bit sorry for him and you know he's tried a bit of directing nothing's quite come of that but he kind of comes back to Bond it's it's quite humbling in a way uh, what he does. Um, a sort of bit of a sacrifice for him but to do that sacrifice with such a um, friendly performance like he does in Diamonds Are Forever I think is really really touching Fascinating film, I'm not sure you're on that episode Rob first of all, so hit, hit me, as they say in the film <laughs> I, I, Yeah, this is very interesting This um, in my head uh, because I find um, the whole film difficult to separate from a moment in my life yeah, so yeah. please bear this with me uh, bear this with me bear with me on this um, yes. and this this comes back to Connery so I think this is the best time to tell this my uh, bond uh, education started with my grand granddad bringing out uh, his VHS copies of um, 
Doctor No and you know Goldfinger from Russia with Love, Thunderball, all of them, you know, all the, but mainly those first four really. Um, and I knew that you know, as I collected more, we'd watch more together. And he was really more into the, the Conneries than anything else. But he really loved the gags of the Moore era. You know, he would he would howl at the gags of the Moore era. He absolutely loved it. Um, vividly remember him howling at you know going through the wedding in uh, Live and Let Die. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, on the boat. <laughs> but um, and this is not designed to be a sadness. But this is more of a, you know, I'm just going to tell it like it is. Uh, my granddad was diagnosed with a brain tumour in 2006, I think it was. And he was given um, six weeks, something like that. So we went from, you know, oh, he was all right to, right, you've got six weeks with the man now. And the deterioration is going to be fierce. So I, uh, it was about May time, I think. And I sacked off my second year of university. Uh, just like we'd got not long to go uh, with the course, but I thought the important thing was I wanted to be with my granddad. So I'd go and spend time with him at the hospice. And I took, uh, you know, one of those old units that um, is um, a 12 inch television and a VHS. Oh, player. yeah, combi. Yeah, yeah, combi. I took it to his room um, and I'd go every afternoon and sit and watch Connery Bond films with him. Oh. Um, and because uh, he, you know, he just loved him, and it was comforting for him, and you know, he, he was deteriorating hugely at the time. Um, and we were watching Diamonds Are Forever one day, and he was laughing throughout it, and it was at one of the oil rig scenes. But he turned to me and he pointed at Sean Connery and said, "Who's that?" Oh. And that was when I knew that, that that this was it. You know, like this was literally oh. it, and it it busted me. You know, hearing him say that after all the love, you know, because I, I write books because of him. You know, that's why I do what I do now. Uh, and as sad as that moment was, we had Connery with us through it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's absolutely mad. So I cannot separate it. I think objectively, Diamonds Are Forever is riddled with flaws. Because I remember we watched the end holding hands, and I said, Gra- "You know, Granddad, that's James Bond." And he went, "Oh yeah." You know, and but objectively, yeah, it's riddled with flaws. I think it's dead weird, but I can't take away this moment in my life that's yeah. so important, where I was, hold, you know, holding Grandad's hands, watching the end of uh, of Diamonds <laughs> yeah. Forever, when he, when he, you know, when he forgot who James Bond was. You know, so yeah, I, it's a funny. I don't have any. It's it's so it's so important in my head that moment that I don't actually have any wow. cogent opinion on the film at all. I just don't. I don't at all. It just. But that was a moment. You know, we were talking about um, father and son moments. That was um, grandfather and grandson oh, moment. That um, where Bond united us, and he didn't know what he was watching by that point, but he was still enjoying it. Mm. You know, so it's very poignant to me. I'm very glad I managed to get through that without getting upset. To be honest, the rest of us are going to I didn't know that. That's that's amazing. So, no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. Well, there's never really a forum to no. talk about it. Like, do you have any key life memories? <laughs> Diamonds are forever, Rob. <laughs> Not, really. Not expecting that for this film. Yeah, but yeah. no. But how amazing that you had that relationship with your granddad, where you, you loved the Connery Bonds and watching yeah, Bond yeah. films together. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely uh, yeah. It, it was yeah means everything to me. That moment. So this film does because of that. Even though you know stuff might have been showing a little <laughs> no. bit too much cheek. 
It might have been uh, something like that. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, the expression at times is profoundly stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an expression <laughs> that could be levelled at this film. But no, yeah, it's, just, it's uh, immortal to me. Math. Diamonds are forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll just briefly, uh, I... Uh, I do find it weird. I remember finding it a bit weird when I was a kid, um, but I still enjoyed it as a kid. I find some of it quite quite scary. It's a horror. It's a horror. Yeah, yeah. There are there are some really disturbing things in there. Um, there are some good moments. <laughs> James Bond, um, what is going on? I, I agree. No, no, I know. It's, it's, it's really it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And the old woman being pulled out of the river. I mean, it's just. It's, yeah. <laughs> And, and it's really wow. weird to think that it followed on a Manchester Secret yeah. Service but it sort of makes <laughs> yeah. sense a bit because they wanted to go a bit more you know funny and campy and stuff but by the same time you know it, by the same token it was there were some dark moments as I just said um, and I think there's some really good elements to it we mentioned in the Henchman episode about how good Winston Kidd are, uh, Kid are um, so much so that they're better villains than Blofeld who, yeah. who isn't great in it and obviously yeah. is in drag for one inexplicable well. scene um, so I don't know I mean I don't think I don't think it's, it's, it's probably near the bottom for me I, you know I feel a bit bad saying that but I, I always enjoyed I, even watching it recently I enjoyed it so yeah. you know I'm not going to lambast it there's talk of him being you know physically past it by then but the fight with Peter Franks yeah that's so good oh yeah it's such a good fight you just killed James Bond. <laughs> yeah, this is the pinnacle in the in the whole series of where everyone knows who he is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the more the more era started, much more serious than he, the, the film he took over from. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a Playboy card that he was given as well, yeah. wasn't it? Probably c- complimentary after the interview. <laughs> Got the scoop out of it, yeah. There's really um, only so much you can do in terms of trying to change their view of something, and a lot of people um, still say hello, Mr. Bond, and you know, like uh, as though one has never heard it before. And because it's, they're still making them, it'll, it'll always be there. Um, but I did it basically for myself. You know what I mean? To get a, a change of job, a change of position, change of seeing thing, way of seeing things and doing things, especially as an actor, I just found it became very limiting. I mean, some of the stuff obviously was Fleming. I mean, there's no question, but um, most of the one-liners and stuff I put in the movie. Uh, somebody that was uh, could be capable of doing all the things like snapping the necks and firing the guns and smoking himself to death and, and all the chasing and the sex, all the stuff that goes with it. But to have a kind of counterbalance of humor so it never really lost itself completely in that kind of serious world of spies but it had to be it had to believe that the guy could be uh, dangerous i won't trouble chris and uh, john too much on their thoughts because we will be reviewing it fairly soon mm. um but actually it's quite sad isn't it that if you think if that's his swan song if you well if you disregard never say never again maybe it's a bit sad and then if you include Never Say Never Again, we will talk about it a little bit now. You could say, oh, it's a bit quite sad that his last two, particularly with Bond fans, they're not really regarded that high up. Now, you mentioned Diamonds Defenders, and on Twitter, I think Never Say Never Again seems to be a bit more popular than I, I was expecting, actually. I thought I thought it would be universally derided, but 
It was as big as Octopussy at the time. Well, not quite. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it a little bit now. Never say never again. Gr- growing up, you don't really know about these things. I think we said in the Octopussy episode. You watch them out of order. That one, of course, you'd realise, hang on, he looks quite old in this film. But you wouldn't really know the context and all the background and Kevin McClure and all that, of course. But it just doesn't it doesn't quite have that sheen, does it? It doesn't quite feel like a an Eon Bond film. And there are many reasons for that. But I mean I don't know how familiar people are with this film. I don't I know Rob isn't I don't think you've seen it that you said have you very often, but it's Connery is is he he's game in it, I think. He he he's like in a in a decent mood. Yeah, it's the... What are you hoping to catch? Something about six foot two, hundred and ninety pounds, with brown eyes. Well, why bother going to see? <laughs> Let me help you. Mr. Bond! I say, Mr. Bond! Catch you later, perhaps. Right. Nigel Smallfoot, British Embassy, Nassau. How'd you do, Nigel? Sorry, I'm late. But as you're one of these undercover Johnnies, I took a precaution of not being followed. And that's why you shouted my name across the harbour. The most recent thing I've watched of it, I mean, I've not, I don't think I've seen Diamonds of Forever. Uh, truly, I don't think I've seen it since that. Oh, well, not you. surprising. I yeah. don't think I've seen it since yeah. then. But I have gone on YouTube to watch the bit with Klaus Hergesheim. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do love a bit of G section. Do we? So. <laughs> See you, mate. Yeah. But yeah. Very sad that, you know, G Unit, you know, the the 50 Cent's entourage. <laughs> Yeah, didn't release an album called G Section. Feet. Brackets checking radiation shield. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. <laughs> but never said ever again, Rob. Have you? I don't know. Have you ever discussed it? I watched it once. Was absolutely disgusting, <laughs> um, and um, never watched it again. It's it's non-canon trite. But when did you watch it? Because I'm th- I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. like. As a child, I didn't know it was non-canon quite, other than being told. Even though I will, I won't. I will have been aware that there was, you know, certain elements missing, but I wouldn't have yeah. been. Yeah. That wouldn't have made me think it's not a Bond. I think I saw it, you know, on recorded video as a child. Rega- probably regarded it as a James Bond film, and then wasn't able to see it for years and years, <laughs> and then. They obviously brought out the video series where we've talked about where all the spines of the videos matched. And then at a similar time, they did bring out Never Say Never Again on video. And it was like, whoa. It was, it was almost like, you know, the lost tapes kind of like, whoa. Yeah. With yeah. A, um, wow, we can watch it. Really, really it. official cover, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it that red one? <laughs> yeah. No, the red one was better. It was like black with a sort of, oh. what do you call the phrase, impact fonts. And him with a gun, it was dreadful. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, but I actually, you know, I think we watched it when we got it from the shop, like, you know, New Bond, probably enjoyed it. I think there's like a, an ama- I, all I can remember, because I've not seen it since, is, you know, an ama- I think there's a decent motorbike chase. Yeah, possibly. yeah, down and, the stairs. Uh, a really good fight in a hotel room. There's Pat Roach, yeah, the, the, the in the gym, because it is basically. Yeah, in the gym, in the gym, yeah, yeah. Black leather goods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, quite a scary, <laughs> scary fight. I think I think I was you know bless Sean but I do think he looked too old here. Yeah. In, in mm. Never Say Never Again. 
and uh, and that's one of the reasons I, I thought it was you know even worse than Roger in View to a Kill. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, far worse. You know, I didn't buy it no. for a second, and um, especially against the likes of you know Fatima Blush and and Basing. She's good. She, she's probably one of the best things in it. I think. She's terrifying. Yeah. I was not when I watched it. The one <laughs> time I watched it, I was sexually unprepared. For yeah, yeah. Fatima blush. <laughs> you blushed. Yeah. You blushed. Did a little I more than it, that. Um... No, I'm joking. <laughs> Take that out. That is disgrace. I'm sorry. It was a joke begging to be made. It I was, could it not was. make it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I watched it just like on TV, so I, I, with without any context, I was a bit like, "Gosh, Connor's looking a bit old here," and it was kind of like, and obviously not having the internet, so I couldn't look to see if this was official or not. It was just like the scene is the same as it was in that other film, and but it's yeah. not. It's like, is this a remake? I remember thinking that, and then thinking. It, it, it feels, it feels a bit like a cheese dream, or like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> or like like off-brand cereal, where you know it's the same, but it's not the same, yeah. and you know it deep down. It just has a, the, the taste, the packaging is not quite right, even though it's you know not Rice Krispies. It's called Snap p- Crackle and Popism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Own brand. brand. It's own. Yeah. yeah. Two striped Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> a Garibendi instead of a Garibaldi. <laughs> yeah. but I'm not, I've not seen it for oh, years, wow. decades. And, and, I, um, but I remember quite enjoying it. I remember thinking, oh, I like this bit with his, you know, do you have a laser watch? And um, yeah. I remember thinking the baddie was quite scary. And, the baddie's you know, there was a, there was a Yeah, there's a lot in that that I quite, quite, quite enjoyed. But just thinking, this is. This is weird. This is really off. He's a completely different Barry to Largo in Thunderball. <laughs> he's like more of a... Even more scary than Zorin in some ways. He's just completely... I mean, he's a bit a bit pathetic physically. He's not absolutely no threat like that, is he? But he's just an odd, an odd chap. I Klaus Maria Brandauer. Uh, you, you can rent it in HD on Amazon Prime right now for three pound forty nine, oh, um, or Bones buy it bum. for four ninety nine. Um, <laughs> so uh, I didn't know. Directed by investment. Irving Kirshner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flipping heck! I did not know that. It, yeah. the, John, have you? When was the last time you? Dare I ask? Have you seen it more than once? I have. I have only managed to complete it once. See, <laughs> I um. I, the, I went. I used to go on holiday to Jersey uh, when I was younger, and we used to go to a Christian hotel. And the idea was that all the kids would gather there, and they could stay in the they could stay in the foyer and at night time, and like just watch a film. And the all the our parents go up to like they had a church up at the top of the hotel, and it was like they had a service every night. And um, we just got put down there with a load of northern irish kids and we just sat there and we turned on itv and never say never started brilliant and and we were like what's this because i i was about 10 at the time what is this and um, (laughs) what is this (laughs) no no started it very good and the the theme tune came on and we were all like this is brilliant i've got to be honest like and and uh, and we're like this is great and then within 10 minutes, <laughs> we were all bored. 
absolutely wrong. <laughs> and all I remember of this film is vividly now, whenever I think of this film, is this Northern Irish 10-year-old called Mark singing at the top of his voice, never, never seen, never again, over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this proper Northern Irish accent going on. That wasn't Northern Irish, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, and that is all I've ever remembered. And I've always thought, so I got it on the video. I got it on the red video when it came out. I'm going to get through this. <laughs> and I've never, ever been able to get through it. I find it just so, there's no joy in it <laughs> at all. I don't know what it is. Um, and I've never got, I've, 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 I always give up at Mr. Bean turning up because that was the show. Which is slightly weird voice in it. <laughs> yeah, but... What? I have some like kind Mr. Of Bean's in Yeah, Ron Atkins yeah, in it. Yeah, Mr. Bean's in it. Yeah, what? yeah. Yeah. Honestly, he looks older just, then yeah. than he does now. Oh, he does. <laughs> just put it. No, he isn't. There's, there is a Q who's just a, basically a white a guy in a coat with white hair, with no personality. Yeah. And, oh no, 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 he's it... somebody else. No, there is a guy a Q like with spectacles, isn't there? And he's a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that. Yeah. Please. It isn't Max von Sydow. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Blofeld. Very faithful. I mean, on paper. <laughs> on paper, that should be the best blow felt we've ever yeah. had. But, you know, for so there's that. But I have this vague memory, and it's not since Jersey. Is there something like a laser game battle? Yeah, that is very something odd. something like that. It's quite tense, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Battleship. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, the baddie and him yeah, in like dinner jackets. Yeah, it's quite like, and then he goes, ah, at the end of it. <laughs> so scary. There's like these weird childhood memories. <laughs> yeah. That that's what it is for me. I I I, uh, <laughs> I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it for years, but I've seen bits of it. Um, it's again, it's quite sexual. There's quite a lot of uh, yeah. particularly they, they that Fatima. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fatima, Fatima Blush. Is, she's really good, but she's quite yeah. sexual in it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's strange. There's a bit where he's in those dungarees, those denim <laughs> dungarees, which isn't particularly nice. Um, and also where him and Domino, Kim, you know, passenger, passenger, um, they jump. They're on a horse and they jump off her. Yeah, that yeah, is that crazy. Is strange, which is a bit weird. Um, so, no, no. So yeah, I mean, is he in dungarees because they didn't have rights to wardrobe or something? <laughs> John Barry is just absent, massively absent. It, the score by Marvin Hamlish is pretty poor, but he, he's a brilliant. Uh, not Marvin Hamlish, sorry. It's um, Michel Legrand. He's a br- he's a superb uh, composer, but again, a bit like Thomas Newman. He's more sort of whimsical, romantic comedy type guy. The action music is appalling, but the the, the rest of the music is quite good. Dan's Off Forever, you know, Dan's Off Forever has a few of these problems where it's so different from Bond. It feels quite unofficial in yeah, places yeah. with the like the fight with Blofeld at the end, and it's all quite unusual, but. At least it had John Barry's music sort of yeah, rescuing yeah, yeah, yeah. it, kind of. The um, gorillas, you know. Yeah, yeah. So no. <laughs> um, but like you say, to not have Barry, you know, that's a, a big... I think, guys, we do need to see it again. We, we, we really do, just to do it proper justice. But it's funny when you've seen a lot of photographs on obituaries and tributes to Sean Connery, and a lot of them are using that, the, the shot of him <laughs> in the Never Say Never Again soon. You're like... I don't no. think he would have wanted you to, to choose that one. I mean, that's so unfortunate. But he, amazingly, we'll now we'll move on to his non-bond stuff now. But 
he looks so much in better shape in the mid nineties, doesn't he? I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like he just he just looks fitter, healthier, more believable. Although Bond had made Sean a star, he grew tired of the role and the pressure the franchise put on him, saying he was fed up to here with the whole Bond bit and I've always hated that damn James Bond. I'd like to kill him. Sounds a little bit like Daniel Craig's views <laughs> at times. Friend Michael Caine said, if you were his friend in these early days, you didn't raise the subject of Bond. He was and is a much better actor than just playing James Bond, but he became synonymous with Bond. He'd be walking down the street and people would say, look, there's James Bond. That was particularly upsetting to him. While making the Bond films, Connery worked with Alfred Hitchcock in Marnie and with Sidney Lumet in The Hill. He'd worked with the acclaimed director a further four times in his career on The Anderson Tapes, The Offence, Murder on the Orient Express and Family Business. He made a succession of historical films in the 1970s, The Wind and the Lion, Robin and Marion, The First Great Train Robbery and The Man Who Would Be King. For this latter film, he acted alongside Michael Caine and both men have described it as their favourite film. Other notable, albeit, other notable, albeit not particularly successful films of the period included A Bridge Too Far, Time Bandits, Outland and Chris Goldie's favourite, Zardoz. After his return as Bond in Never Say Never Again, he became disillusioned and took two years away from the cinema. But he returned mightily as a Franciscan friar turned sleuth in The Name of the Rose and won a BAFTA for Best Actor. This marked a long continued return to the top for Sean. He had a trio of memorable roles in the late 80s with Highlander, The Untouchables, for which he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and as Indiana Jones' father in The Last Crusade, which also earned him BAFTA and Golden Globe nominations. His popularity continued into the 90s with box office hits The Hunt for Red October, which he got another BAFTA nomination, The Russia House, Rising Sun, The Rock and Entrapment. He also cameoed as Richard the Lionheart in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and voiced Drago the Dragon in Dragonheart. He also starred as an ageing but still ridiculously charismatic King Arthur in First Night, as well as the Avengers remake, which was a critical and commercial disaster. But after more rave reviews for Finding Forrester, things came to a head with The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where his falling out with director Stephen Norrington and his frustration at the Hollywood process led to his premature retirement from acting. He was famously declined returns. He famously declined returns as Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings series, which in the deal offered would have earned him nearly half a billion dollars. He also turned down the role of the architect in the Matrix trilogy. He could not be persuaded to reprise his role as Henry Jones in the fourth Indiana Jones film and only worked again with two voice roles in the Scottish animation <laughs> Sir Billy the Vet. <laughs> And of course, as Bond again in the video game of From Russia With Love. Drinking the wine makes me feel quite sophisticated. It's a bit like, you know, James Bond ordering a martini. I'd like a... Like a martini shaken. Not stout. I want it now. Don't make me wait. I'll have a vodka martini shaken, but not stout. I'll have a vodka martini shaken, not stout. I'll have a vodka... I'll have a vodka. You look very worried. 
Uh, so do you. No. You should take a look at your face. I'll have a vodka martini, shake not stand. You look like you're recovering from a stroke and learning how to get mobility again. I'd, uh, I'd like a vodka martini, shake and not stand. I can feel my legs. It's a miracle. Good evening. If you're enjoying Really Double Shipping Pod, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really Double Shipping Pod. I know Chris is a massive fan of Zarda, so I'm going to let him wipe the floor <laughs> with this, please. Well, well, there's actually there's a couple of films that followed uh, Diamonds Are Forever. So the, the film that followed that was The Offence, which is like his third film that he did with Sidley Men. Yeah, and it couldn't be further from Bond. <laughs> it is. It's basically about spoiling it, but it's. He plays this detective. It's obviously set kind of early 70s, 73, 74. Set in this new town build, so everything's looks everything's like modernist. Everything's it looks like the the, the town itself looks, looks like a set, and it's all about this paedophile and a rapist. And it is unrelentingly dark. It is, but Connery. It was one of the first sort of films that I, I kind of uh, as a, probably as a teenager I thought oh, I'll seek that out because of <laughs> recommendations just because it was supposed to be this great film I was a big fan of Sid and the Met as well and watching it and I thought he can act you know he yeah. gets sort of dismissed as he is a film star and he oh well he's just he's just Connery playing Connery but when I saw that I thought man alive he can act he was totally believer I felt like he, he completely took on that role and he, 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 he's a very unpleasant character. The film is fairly unpleasant and it is incredibly dark and unrelenting. It is the, the perfect kind of British kind of 70s film. It is worth seeking out just because you've never seen Connery play anything like this. And like I say, it is very dark. Obviously, the, the plot is around a paedophile and a, a, you know, a rapist. And but it is no, he's he's the, oh, he's the detective. So thank it's based. It, so it is. I can give you some spoilers if you like. But it's essentially him interrogating someone for who he suspects yeah. is the the, 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 the rapist paedophile. And um, and obviously, as he's doing this, he's having flashbacks to his. He's a career policeman, so you have these flashbacks to everything, all these awful things that he's seen. And it is, like I say, it, I, there's very few films like that in his um, catalogue. And but yeah, that was one that I think if, you, if people say, oh well, you know what Connery's like, he's just playing Connery. He just he gets by on his charisma and his sort of movie star, you know, um, kind of looks and everything else. But I would say, well, if you watch The Offence, that shows just what a great actor he actually was. It's not really readily available, is it? I've I've never sort of seen it on TV or anything like that growing up. I, I didn't really no, know I much think, about it until I think until he, I think it was it was um, I some stumbled across it because of Sid and the Met, but I think it was shown on TV <laughs> because of I think Mark Gatiss. Uh, ah, right, okay. Yeah. Not Mark Gatiss. Uh, Mark Kermode had probably done that yeah, series yeah. and included in that. But yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not about the laughs. <laughs> you know, it's not. <laughs> let's get the popcorn and you know, let's uh, you know, have a couple of beers watching this. But I would, if if you do stumble across it and 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 think, well, yeah, I want to, I want to see Connery in a very different light. I would, I would definitely recommend it because not only is it a fantastic performance, but it's a fantastic script. It's a, so well directed as a film. It is a highlight in his career, and it is. 
I, I, if I was him, I would be very proud of that as something that is an attempt, like say, and this attempt to get away from Bond. I think it worked. It bombed. It was, you know, didn't make any money. <laughs> Not surprised, you know, considering it cost no, nothing. But you know, it is it is well worth seeking out. I just love that, Chris. G- growing up as a teenager, I was a Sydney Lumets fan. I mean, how many people? But he did. He did five films in them, didn't he? Yeah. And I, I'm feel dreadful to say I don't think I've seen any of them. Amazingly. Um, the never on seat. So we got the hill. I think was his first one, which I think a lot of people say was another great performance from him. Yeah. The Anderson tapes. I've had that recorded for about two years now. I really should start to start to <laughs> yeah. watch that one. The offense, obviously, murder on the Orient Express, which is probably the most famous of these ones with Cindy yeah. Lamar. Um, and the family business from 1989. I mean, what did these exist? These films. But I saw that he got an honorary BAFTA fellowship in 1990, I think it was, and Sidney Lumet, they had a sort of piece of him sort of saying how good he was, and he was like, I've done five films with him and I'll I'll happily do five more. He loved, didn't do any more, but uh, he, the sentiment was there. The sentiment was there. But yeah, I, don't, have you, I presume you've seen some of those. You've probably seen more of these than the rest of us, maybe, Chris. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're all. I get he's like Sidney Met. He's, he's created. He's trying to each film. He's, he's trying to do something different. You know, it's yeah. not a case of just churning out. Which is why all those films, I think, are all quite. You know, like Family Business is, is almost like it's essentially a comedy. You know, um, you know, Murder on Orient Express is probably one of the best uh, Agatha Christie adaptations of that story. I think it's it's, it's fun. The cast is just yeah amazing. Um, but yeah, and and the hill is again that that performance is just he's like he's he's on fire. He's like burning the screen with with just the, this passion and and charisma and just this ability to, to hold the screen, unlike few people can. Um, but yeah, later on in his career, when you look at those, you know, I, when he, he there was a wilderness sort of period during the 70s yeah. where he, even though he was making kind of these class, you know, the, the man who would be king and Robin and Marion you know, really great Bridge Too Far fantastic films but none of them were you know because you've set the standard with Bond you're always going to be compared well Bond made X amount of money you're never going to get that but he made some cracking films during the 70s and the 80s and then he started to get a bit more sort of box office you know and, and, and did and again was doing great stuff name of the rose uh, and then the untouchables and then from there on it was just you know he uh, was yeah. on this great streak all the way up through to the late 90s i saw i was actually saw the wind and the lion the night before he died and probably not the best one to sort of remember about <laughs> i mean it was it, it was very odd it's quite dated now but I, I, again he's playing isn't he playing some arabic characters so that couldn't be done now but, mm. um yeah, he he was the best thing in it. Yeah, so you mentioned the other one, Zardoz, Chris. Please tell us more yes. about this. All I know is this. <laughs> Rob, can you Google Zardoz and the costume? I want you to. Uh, can I do? Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, to be honest, it's so fixed in pop culture that I know exactly. Yeah. You do know, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But that I don't I do. know anything else about it other than that incredible hairy I, body. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that image didn't make me want to get it, so um, I can't, I, you know. He plays the character of Zed, it's a 1974 movie, uh, directed by John Borman. Uh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. 
I My mean, word. It's, uh, it's uh, again because because of that image is burned into your <laughs> into your brain. It's difficult to, to to get past that. But it's the seventies, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was a different Borman coming off. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Borman coming off. Um, he just done. Um, what's it called? Deliverance. The, the Deliverance. Obviously, yeah. that was a massive box office hit. Who would have thought, given some of the content in that film? And, well, um, and to be sounds like know, the offense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and hadn't um, you know he was try- he was trying to do a Lord of the Rings adaptation with the Beatles, and that fell through. So he decided, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. So John Bourne was like, threw everything at this film, and I'm not going to try and explain the plot because it's uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it justice. But again, yeah, it is you know Connery is committed to it. I think he had a relatively miserable time making it, but you you know. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 it is brave of someone who is, you know, this is he isn't, oh, he wasn't a character actor, you know, he wasn't, you know, that he was, oh, he was the lead, he was, you know, handsome, he was always well, you know, turned out, but to see him in that red nappy <laughs> uh, with the long hair, the ponytail, plaited ponytail, but it is again. A film of the seventies where it, just throwing so many ideas at it that it's fascinating, and uh, and I can see where Connery thought this, this there's something in this, but you could argue whether it's successful or not. I think it is. I think it, it deals with a lot of lot of you know kind of relevant topics and relevant right. themes, um, and I think it just has a, a, a you've got to admire I think those films and the filmmakers and particularly Connery. To do that because you, you cannot you cannot get rid of that that image you know and later on he's wearing a wedding dress and that's another thing that you'll never f- forget no matter how yeah. hard you try. Google that please. You've got to urge all um, listeners here to just Google Zara. Like you you've got to <laughs> watch it. Yeah, yeah. But I would recommend again recommend it. if you if you're thinking you know what I want to go back and see what. What a great actor Connery is, and what what some of the interesting body of work that he's left outside of the you know the the big films that you've seen. I think things like Zardoz, you know, and The Offense, and you know, lesser extent like The Russia House. Great performances in films where he's really trying to get away from just being Bond or just being. Yeah. I can play that role because I'm Sean Connery. There's a, the 70s ones, yeah, I've seen very few of them. So there's The Winning the Lion, which I've seen. Robin and Marion, we saw that. Math and Harry, didn't we? Again, quite an odd film. Is that the real low budget, other than they must have spent the entire budget on the actors, mustn't they? Because it's Sean Connery, Audrey Hepburn, Robert Shaw. The score is, <laughs> is unbelievable, but John Barry, of course. Um, very odd. Yeah. I, and then there's the first great train robbery. Which, which sounds decent again. Is that that's good? That's not Lumet, is it? No. No, that's uh, it's Michael Crichton, the novelist. Uh, he used to be. Ooh, he started off his career as a, as a film director. Wow. Yeah, that's underrated. Uh, it's really good, actually. That, that and Donald Sutherland is in it. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. I, re- I, re- I take that off the TV as a kid and watch that a lot. Yeah, we mentioned Time Bandits, which I think it was a supporting role, wasn't there? Outland. Anyone seen that? Oh, yes. Chris is just run through Chris is basically on. Yeah. Peter Hyams. Oh, uh, Rob. Obviously, you know from. Uh, yeah, Time Cop. S- yeah. 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 Hanover Street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the sequel to 2001. 
Yeah, which is not available. Which is, you just will not is ever. Is it not at the moment? Well, that's, that's a shame. It's actually surprisingly good, that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I think, what were we talking about there? By some of these good Outland. Outland. Outlander. Outlander. It's high noon set in space. So he plays, he plays a sheriff waiting for the villains to arrive at this mining so camp. Good. And it is really good. And it, early eight, I think it's 81, yeah. it has a kind of... A, like alien aesthetic kind of oh, you know, it's, it's, it's very industrial again it's great I'd definitely recommend that so interesting um, yeah, such an authority Chris this oh, is superb yeah. sure, honestly this is so good I've learned so much in the last 10 minutes Chris is not 60 Just, years old honestly he, he's grown up on his poster of him on his uh, <laughs> obviously never said ever again I think apparently became disillusioned with cinema and he took two years off after that didn't do anything for two years he then came back for In the Name of the Rose and he won a BAFTA for Best Actor uh, as the Franciscan sleuth the friar in that and again I've, I assume only Chris has seen this film The Name of the Rose? <laughs> yeah I've, I've seen it Oh good, oh, good. Yeah I've I, I, you know, medieval whodunit, which is a crisp. Uh, yeah, I found it. I, I found it quite scary actually. I keep saying I find these things scary. I found that quite scary. There's like a, you know, the monastery's like quite a lonely setting. There's a few characters who are quite, I don't know, disturbing or. And um, F. Murray Abraham uh, plays like uh, I can't remember if he's like a Catholic priest or something who comes. Uh, halfway through it or something and he, he's quite scary of course so, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I was a bit disturbed by it I think <laughs> I've basically been disturbed by every film that Sean yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's brilliant okay right so we're getting to some of the more I don't know prominent should we say in pop culture we've got Highlander it's basically the late 80s Mid to late 80s, where he is absolutely back on his... Well, in terms of popularity, arguably up there as, as much as he was with Bond. So he's got Highlander, The Untouchables, which he got an Oscar for, and, of course, uh, Henry Jones Sr. in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And it, it goes into... The, from basically from then into the, the 90s, it's just hit after hit, really. We did two Indiana Jones movies uh, before Sean joined the family. But Sean did not, does not, just show up and read the lines. He brought uh, ideas to the table, good ideas, about plot and character, about the movie. For those of us who make movies, technically speaking, this is called being a pain in the ass. <laughs> but for those of us who love movies, that passion, that wisdom, is the reason we are here tonight, one of them at least. At some early stage, Sean told Stephen and George, look, I'm his father. Whatever he's done, I did it first, and I did it better. <laughs> did he understand the part or what? Our fathers, we endure them, we're tested by them, and then, as we grow older, we gain a whole new level of respect and admiration for them. That's the nature of the relationship between Indiana Jones and his father. And as I stand here before you tonight, older 
and wiser. It reflects how I've come to feel about you, Sean. Part of the fun of the indie series is that they hearken back to the old days, older movies, a time when movies were a window onto the world. They took us to new and exciting places, and our guides were the stars of those movies. John Wayne gave us the Old West. Jimmy Stewart gave us our town. But you, Sean Connery. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You gave us the world. And rare is the moment when that actor creates a character for me, for you, and for millions of people around the world, people who do not speak the same language, but they share this character, one that inhabits our most impossible dreams and influences what we'd like to wear, turn bull and ask her with Rolex watch, what we'd like to drink, <laughs> martinis uh, shaken, not stirred, and what we'd like to drive, uh, Aston Martin DB5. Uh, his very name is an example of this, his name is Bond, James Bond. And I was a young man of 16 when the first James Bond film opened at a drive-in movie theater with uh, theme songs sung by Shirley Bassey, Matt Monroe, Nancy Sinatra, Tom Jones, and uh, those wonderfully risque main title sequences. Uh, all the Bond girls you can't say in public. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the gadgets, that rocket shooting cigarette accurate at 30 yards, you remember that one? Then there were those evildoers, always seeking world domination. Now, all of this surrounding the man with a license to kill. He played James Bond in seven films across 21 years. Every entrance, a tour de force. Uh, every turn of his head, a suggestion of danger. And then every glance, never without that twinkle of dry Scottish humor. Now, when George Lucas and I uh, created the Indiana Jones series, it's no secret that Bond movies were somewhere on our minds. And so when we had to cast Indiana Jones' dad, I thought, who could possibly be more adventurous and daring and dangerous and charming and more wily and wonderful than Indiana Jones? Well, James Bond, of course. Because the moment Sean Connery introduced himself as Bond, he became the man all men wanted to be and all women just wanted. Junior, give me your other hand. I can't hold on. I can get it. I can almost reach it, Dad. Indiana. Indiana. Let it go. 
Henry Jones Sr. is one of the greatest characters of all time. It is, it is. All time. And I think Steven yeah. Spielberg said, who who could possibly be the guy, you know, the, an adventurous dad, who could inspire him to do all that? And him and George Lucas created Indiana Jones because they wanted to create a new franchise, didn't they? Based sort of, wasn't James Bond? Because I think Spielberg grew up wanting to direct a Bond film. He never ever got the chance. He was like, well, let's just come up with one ourselves. So George Lucas and, and Daniel was it Daniel Kaufman. They they came up, yeah, they came up with the character and the story, and then yeah, they just thought, who else but Sean Connery? It is, it's amazing, and it was. I think growing up, it was like, is that the same guy? Is that James Bond, Dad? Is that really yeah. him? Yeah, because obviously he looks quite different to any other film we'd seen him, but he looks a lot better than he he did in Darmazar Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford, two yeah. like absolute heavyweights, so believable. Yeah. And pa- apparently Spielberg wanted those back for Jurassic Park, so Harrison Ford was going to be Grant oh, and yeah. um, Sean Connery oh. Hammond. Yeah, Th- this is another oh. role that Sean Connery turned down. He turned down Richard Hammond. Not Richard. Never Richard Hammond. John Hammond. John Hammond. John Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> the hamster. You have to turn the down hamster. Richard Hammond, yeah. do you? I've, uh, I've got a list of the films that Sean Connery turned down, if you're uh, oh, interested. Please, yeah, I want, a, want all this. It's so funny, I've seen some of uh, I mean, it is, it is massive, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, turned down Simon Gruber, apparently. What? Yeah, oh. Die Out with a Vengeance. Sheesh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, more famous, yeah. I remember you telling me this math about him turning down Gandalf, which yeah, cost him yeah. about four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he had a percentage profit of yeah, the yeah. deal offered. He, uh, what was he like? He couldn't understand the script, so he didn't understand what it was about. Yeah, yeah. He understand. <laughs> um, like, in Braveheart, he, he they wanted him for um, oh, for the king. Patrick McGoon. Patrick McGoohan got yeah. Edward <laughs> It turned down the Architect in the Matrix films. Um, <laughs> he turned down, um, and the last one I think he turned down Hannibal Lecter. But his reason for his reason for a lot of these, his reason though for a lot of these, he turned down apparently Simon Gruber, Hannibal Lecter, um, because they were too uh, like cruel and wicked. Yeah. Which is quite interesting because he's he's never really gone there, has he? Apart from well. If it, I, I don't know what happens in this film that you've you've told us about, Chris. But yeah, yeah. But that's like an astonishing Mm. array of characters that he's. Yeah. Well, he'd already had the long hair and beard in The Rock, so I'm sure he didn't need to be doing that for three years in a row. No. No one wants a grunge thing. Greetings. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramians, Chief Metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service. Who? Yeah, Hi- Highlander lads. Are you not a fan of that? Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's fantastic. I get, it's weird, uh, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's very weird. Oh, yeah, exactly. You read that script. It's like, what on earth is what on earth have you written here? Like, you know, chopping people's heads off. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I and I'm a what? I'm supposed to be what Egyptian by way of Spain and some, you know all these yeah. various not Scottish. I've got someone Scottish. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Sophie Marceau in the title 
in yeah. the cycle. Shouldn't work, but it does. I think it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> such an odd, strange film. But once you've watched it, I just think mm. oh, it's fantastic. The charisma's there, though, isn't it, from Connery? Mm. <laughs> the, second, the second one, the second one I saw before the first one, and I thought it was pretty poor. <laughs> pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, he is in that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. 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 But, yeah. No, I, I, I like the first one. It's it's sort of it's quite of its time. And the yeah. concept, although it's weird, I, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of, um, I don't know, I've got a lot of respect for it because it's like, yeah, you come up with a new concept and it's just, you know, there's so much you can do do with it and there's like an amazing montage. I almost got tearful. I couldn't believe it when he's, you know, he's in Scotland and like his wife's getting older and he's and it's you know he wants to live forever. I was like. Well, that's great. Yeah. There's so much, yeah. Well, it's it's absolutely brilliant, and it just works so well. <laughs> yeah. Have so, you seen that, John? A very long time ago. Yeah, I've got to. I've got to confess. Like I, I've not seen mass amounts of no economy's back catalogue. So he's obviously not as mainstream as people think, is he? With a lot of these choices. It's the '90s blockbusters that I've probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to get to them, don't we? Yeah. And, and late eighties. I watched Hunt for Red October the other day. Yeah, great film. Um, yeah, I, I'm, we're going through the Jack Ryan films as we speak. Me and my wife, Chris? and and, and per, my personal favourite is Patriot Games. I think that's brilliant. And we're Sean just, Bean, just tangent, but well, Sean Bean. And we talked about accents before, but he does a Northern Irish accent. Yeah, that. yeah, that's and, great. Uh, and and not a hint of Sheffield comes through. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but but like. Back to Hunt for Red October. Once you get over the the distraction that the they have to say is Lithuanian, and basically <laughs> he's speaking in pure Scottish, and they and I think they even make I think yeah. they even make like a line that excuses it. Go through the periscope, doesn't it? And then it comes at, the shot comes back out, and it's almost like you're in a dream now. From now on, yeah. you have to accept that this this is the language because it starts <laughs> off in Russian, doesn't it? And then it. Mm, yeah. Some yeah. Yeah. Sam Neill. But, yeah, I mean the cast is brilliant, but he's he's very static in it <laughs> in terms of the not in a good you way. Can't go anywhere in a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unlike Gene right, Hatman, but he's, yeah, he's like just very. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's of, of a level, it's um, it, there's an off. He carries an authority there yeah. throughout the film, and he doesn't have to say anything. To do that, and you've got Alec Baldwin on the other side, ranting, raving, running around, trying his best, bless him. And he just doesn't match up to the greatness of Connery on the screen on that film. He got it's a BAFTA nomination for that as well, underrated. Yeah. yeah. He's, do, he's had a few nominations. Actors are often asked questions they can't respond to. One of them is, What's it like to be a star? Um, I'm asked two questions. Uh, what's it like to be a star? What's it like to work with Sean Connery? I can give you an example of both. In working on The Untouchables, we were in a street scene and a rope was designed to keep the people back and Sean Connery and I were engaged in a conversation back and forth and I noticed behind him that a beautiful woman, a blonde woman, was trying to get my attention. And I thought that I would slide over there after I finished talking with Sean. So I finished talking with Sean, and I wandered over to this woman who leaned over the rope to me as I asked her, what, what? And she said, could you get me Sean Connery's autograph? 
That's what it's like to be a star next to Sean Connery. He truly has qualities that I wish that I had. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. The Untouchables is another big, big the, the other big one of the late Absolutely. 80s, which you got to admit. I hadn't seen it until about a year ago, amazingly. I remember I was doing jury service once, and it was on in. They were watching it in the the jurors' waiting room, and I, and it was halfway through, and I'm like, I am not watching a film that is this important, with a load of people <laughs> chatting to me, eating crisps, you know, the, the, the tannoy going on about cases being read out. You know, having said that, I waited quite a long time, didn't I, before I watched? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a massive fan of Kevin Costner and. The, the chemistry between those two again was superb, and he's yeah. that he's great yeah. at that, isn't he? And it raises yeah. it raises Costner's game, and it raised Harrison Ford's game in The Last Crusade. But that, yeah, it's a great film. But it's just it's the way these people, these icons, because Costner and um, Ford are absolute cinematic yeah. icons, aren't they? Um, mm. And they speak so fondly of him. Just, just uh, eulogise about Connery and their in, uh, his impact on them as people and their careers. It's just lovely. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, it, you've not seen Rising Sun. I've seen Rising Sun. Oh right. <laughs> he's I, come he's on. such a terrific presence in that film. Yeah. His hair, Can... his tan. <laughs> yeah, do yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, I've got a, a little anecdote. Um, I, you know, talking to obviously, as we all have done, I've talked to friends um, about the news of Connery's passing, um, and I got a little note from someone um, from the book world. Um, M. Sean Coleman is the author of the Alex Ripley series, and uh, we were chatting about this because um, I know that he had a career in TV beforehand, um, and. Um, he was uh, sat next to him at a BBC dinner in the 90s. Oh. Sean. Uh, you know, like, so walking to the table, like, his card was like, you know, like, uh, 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 oh, Sean Connery, you know. Um, and apparently he was just lovely. Oh, very thank funny, goodness. Very charming. Said he was working on a film with Wesley Schnapps. Oh. Uh, yeah. Such um, a good pairing again. I know, yeah. And that they, they joked pair of them about swapping name badges to see if anyone noticed <laughs> brilliant <laughs> brilliant it's so good so no it's another example again another nice little story yeah that's about, good uh, yeah that ties in nicely with the wesley snipes movie yeah who such good trivia it's, it's very little talked about isn't it and that and just yeah. cause was a couple of years later with larry fishburne now that sort of yeah. i've tried to find that again it's quite difficult to find <laughs> Um, Rising Sun's on Sky all the time, guys. If you want to watch it, whatever you want. Yeah, that's another Crichton. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is, yeah. Non-stop, yeah. you know. Um, little cameo is Richard the Lionheart, of course, in 
Prince of Thieves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Though. I remember Dad was loving that. Not you just know, he, not he, too distracted. He steals the movie. He does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In for about twenty seconds, steals the lot. Stunt casting. Yeah, getting back yeah, with yeah. who cares? He was only in it for. <laughs> Is this the only time that stunt casting has worked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure the the role. I can't believe no one's mentioned this in any any uh, memories and tributes to him. The voice of Drago. <laughs> Wait, Dragonheart. Dragonheart, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With one of the weirdest wigs in the world from Dennis Quaid. But really enjoyable family fantasy. Horrible, pathetic bad guy, David Thewlis, you know. So unlikable. <laughs> For Aiden to die, yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's about the same size. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not him, that's Quaid. Um, <laughs> Quaid! It's amazing, though, actually, like, the digital animation to make a dragon's mouth look like it's got Sean Connery's voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you can tell someone's voice by how their oh, lips yeah, move? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've done it with a dragon. Amazing feat. <laughs> I remember seeing that at the cinema. <laughs> Again, probably because it was Sean Connery. I think. I have no pride left in me. What I do now, I do for my people and for Camelot. And may they forgive me. This is my last act as your king. Do not be afraid. All things change. I am Arthur of Camelot. And I command you now all to fight! Fight! I do not fight before! Never surrender! Never surrender! Fight! Because you never My favourite, sorry, unashamedly, his, we'll get to The Rock, obviously that's my other favourite, but the, the underrated favourite has got to be First Night. It's just, honestly, I, I, I watched it again on Blu-ray about <laughs> a few weeks ago, and it's just got everything. I mean, I, I, I love sort of a romance and a bit like Indecent Proposal, it's that kind of, <laughs> where there's, you know, what would you do in that situation, who'd you back? It's, it's like a love triangle, but you you sympathise with each of the characters. I mean, this, is, is it a family film? I don't understand. Watch this. We just watched it because we like, obviously we would love knights, playing as knights as kids, uh, sword fights, and it's got all that. It's got all the... It's quite violent for a PG. It's the armour they wear, though. It's so nice, the yeah. Richard Gere stuff, yeah. but then seeing a, an old Sean Connery wearing the armour with a, sh like, almost shaved His head. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and a short poster, poster and art oh, first yeah. Indelible. Um, yeah, to be honest, I've never seen it. Yeah, well, do you know this, Rob? Why? 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 I don't. But I'm, I'm really familiar with the music because yes. Sky, for the last 15 years, have used it on their Ryder Cup coverage. They have. It's you know, like, so, and music. we'll be back in a couple of moments <laughs> to see if Yura can bring home the Ryder Cup. <laughs> 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 
Have you, but no contact for me. <laughs> have you seen it, John and Chris? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, yeah. Julie yeah, Roman yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really hair is interesting. <laughs> but I, you, you're like, I can understand. I'm falling in love with all three of them in this film. And Jennifer, goodness me, I mean that's her Pete Connery age as well. It's just he looks. I mean, just think that's a wig. It, just, it looks incredible, doesn't it? <laughs> Watching this as a child, is this, this like a cluster of films? Ninety-five, First Night, then ninety-six, Dragonheart and the Rock. And it's like we've kind of said it before, but like Renee, like he's completely a different actor. You love yeah. Bond Connery, and you love. Um, this new Connery and there are two different Conneries that you love going on at the same time because just whilst you're watching him in these films in the 90s you're also going home and watching Bonds with him in it's like you've got these two different yeah. as a child we had these two different Conneries running alongside each other it's amazing because we didn't really get the films in between like Chris might have done unless I've, you presume you saw them later though Chris didn't you but um, yeah. so it's like almost a, you keep having to remind yourself it is the same guy because especially in uh, Last Crusade, because he is bald in that, and the beard. The beard was the big thing. He was like, whoa. And he does play like an old man, doesn't he? He's kind yeah, of a jittering yeah. kind of... The physical, yeah. the physical performance. But we believe that totally that he age, bedded yeah. Alison Doody. <laughs> but I think when I think when Curry got rid of the, the hair piece and let the grey come through and grew the beard, he'd looked the same for about two decades. Yeah, he did, yeah. It felt like yeah, he didn't... Yeah. Age yeah. at all. Name and rank, sailor. It's army, actually. Answer the question and address him as General Sir. Captain John Patrick Mason, General Sir, of Her Majesty's SES. Retired, of course. You're a long way from home, Captain. How the hell are you involved in this? Oh, I have a unique knowledge of this prison facility. I was uh, formerly a guest here. Do they bother to tell you who I am, why I'm doing this, or are they just using you like they do everybody else? All I know is you were big in Vietnam. I saw the highlights on television. And you wouldn't have any fucking idea what it means to lead some of the finest men on God's earth into battle and then see their memory betrayed by their own fucking government. I don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million. And uh, this is not combat. It's an act of lunacy, General Sir. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. Welcome to The Rock. Michael Bay gets real bad press, but he can direct a film. Good grief. <laughs> Fantastic directing in this film. Surely, sure. Action comedies, goodness me. This is his best one by far. Yeah, oh, well, that's what I think, yeah. anyway. I think few would disagree. Yeah, very fair point. But yeah, he's how good is Connery in it though? He's absolutely brilliant. Oh, he's brilliant! Yeah, he, he's fault, the whole thing's faultless. I mean, he's faultless. Two hilarious actors with each other. I wonder whether they got brilliant on. Brilliant together. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, like they, they're, they're they're so good together, yeah. Connery and Cage. I mean, you want you want the the best actors of their generations to go toe to toe. Exactly what. You're <laughs> Why are you laughing? Is, Why they both won laughing? Oscars. You can't be laughing at this. You, you know, can't it's, say they're not great. They're genuine they film stars. Are. One, you know, one believes in you know 
<laughs> certain domestic issues. The other one buys T Rexes on the Mongolian block market. So, <laughs> you know. I didn't know Ed Harris uh, was into that, Rob. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hummel gets the rocket. Does he? Yeah. Did you read some of the uh, the anecdotes of Connery during the making of the book? Oh, go on. And, no. Um, well, he, he'd, um, he obviously he, he'd been shown Bad Boys, and he thought it's very American. Very American. It's not really for me. Um, and uh, when it came to the script, he got um, what they called uh, Lefroy, not not Lefroy, not the whiskey, Lefrain, and the guys who wrote Porridge and did like yeah. loads of stuff. He got them Ian to, to, to rewrite. Yes, yeah, yeah. to. to uh, rewrite all his stuff, and that's why he gets so many great one-liners. Um, they had a career of that in Hollywood. They had quite a yes. run, amazingly. The writers of that's Porridge amazing. and like script doctors yeah. for comedy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And um, during the production, him and um, Bay would maybe didn't quite see. Like, what? That's a moment happened a few times. Where Bay gave him some direction <laughs> and sort of questioned something, and Corey just turned around and said. Shouldn't you be blowing up a bridge? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's super. And then on the on the interview that he did with uh, Mark Cousins, he when he talked about that because I think it was one of the last films he released, and he said he said, oh yeah, because um, he talked about how it's how it was directed and stuff, and he said, oh, he sort of implied that it was saved in the edit, that it was very much kind of when they were making it, it was a it was a real mess. But he's quite proud of it, actually. He thought it was a, it was a really good film. Oh, good. And there's all those rumours, isn't there, that essentially he's just bombed in prison. He gets well, yeah, that, yeah, I love that suggestion. Is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it really works. And that that little spectre again, awful pun, um, hanging over the film that is this Bond who finally, you know, finally the authorities caught up with him and chucked him yeah. in there. No, it's fabulous. It, uh, but it's a brilliant role. I mean, like mm. it's that kind of high concept role that any actor would. Absolutely yeah. jump, um, but you know, I, I find that fascinating about the the porridge writers, though, because that that line. I mean, I, I, he says about you know, when a, a losers whine about their best. It's the one of the best lines in the nineties. It, it just is. It, it just is about what happens to the prom queen afterwards. <laughs> you know, it's it's so su- absolutely superb. You get to hear him swear as well. Yes. F bombs from Conrad. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mom, I don't James Bond Mommy. swearing. It's not the same James Bond. It's the you know Indiana Jones's dad swearing. Are you are you watching the View to the Out uh, View to the Kill outtakes? Is that what you're watching? <laughs> and then yeah, Avengers will you know no idea. Uh, so that was a bit. It, it, again, it ended a bit sadly because he. He had the Avengers. He Finding Forrester, I'm not seeing, but he had good reviews for that. But then Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, just what a sad way to go out. You know, he sort of that was it, fell out it? with the In director. Of, yeah. Couldn't be bothered anymore with all this the CGI visual effects. And that sort of whole way of making a film is so different, isn't it, to what he was used to by then. Um, that that was it, and he never he never came back. So, like Gene Hackman retired in 2003 as well. To write detective novels, so mm. yeah. Nice. Um, Who did? Who did? Gene Hackman. In his <laughs> retirement, yeah, yeah, he's written novels. Modern day or set in the uh, western? Uh, yeah, you presume it's it's all linked, <laughs> isn't it, with Costner and you know the West and. All, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> gunslingers and cops. And, yeah. yeah. Is it set? Is set during a gunslinging World Cup? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Breaking the Dead is a sports film. So it's, I don't know. It's a bit. Apparently, the last so thing I, on IMDb is last entries of voice in uh, 2012. <laughs> Sir Billy. Yeah. Like sort of a Scottish Harry, animated. Can you read out some of the reviews from IMDb? Uh, okay, you you fill some time off that. <laughs> yeah, the only other th- the other thing he turned out for was, as we mentioned, the, the From Russia with Love game, as a, an aging uh, Bond, but still set in the sixties. So he was in his seventies uh, by then. <laughs> Name's Bond, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the, I've, I've, right, do you want these reviews? Yeah, um, just a couple, Harry. This is for so his last appearance, bless him, in 2012 as a, uh, a voice artist for the film called Sir Billy. I think, yeah, it's, it's, like, an, it's like an animated Scottish film. These are difficult times we live in, I know, but this is your homeland's first animated feature and I found it almost as radioactive as just about every other movie on the Red Box. I might not be an animation guru, but this entire thing... As the appearance of a late... Uh, the, sorry, that one goes on uh, quite... <laughs> I'll give you the one-liners. That one, the, it's one star out of ten. You, ha- you have one job to do. That's, yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> and then it, yeah. the one after it is one, one out of ten. This will leave you physically nauseated. Quick, <laughs> <laughs> get it, lads. Amazon, quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, lo- lots of ones out of ten. But then one ten out of ten with the headline... Oh. Never been more shaken. Good <laughs> 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 Yeah. Sir Billy. That's Billy with an I. Yeah, it's so weird. Big Tom playing Billy. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the one of the reviews. Sorry, Harry. Um, because uh, I, I when you said <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it was yeah. real. Yeah. So I was like, this cannot be real. <laughs> one of the other reviews it says one out of ten. Sean Connery deserved a much better comeback than this. You know. He was in his 80s! Yeah. Come, back. Come back! I don't what? think he was intending on, you know, a ten film run. You this know, wasn't his, his, you know, tentative first steps back into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Billy the Vet! What on earth? <laughs> so made up, man. He was honoured with a Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes, which is like the honorary Oscar, but for the Golden Globes. Got a BAFTA Fellowship. He was knighted in 2000. He's been voted the greatest living Scot uh, and Scotland's greatest living national treasure. These are quite interesting as well. In, he was voted sexiest man alive by People magazine in 1989 and he was voted sexiest man of the century in 1999. Oof. So Jennifer is right, you know. It's, and he was 69 yeah. at the time, so there you go. The, the, guy, the guy was a stunner, wasn't he? Yeah, the, just a few little couple of interesting facts about Sean. Just to just to end with, Robbie, like this, he was a he was a massive golf fan, massive oh, yeah. massive golf fan, as we know. My man, my man. The national sport of Scotland, baby. He was a Rangers fan. Didn't know, didn't didn't know, know, that. Didn't know that. Yeah, and he was an honorary rank of showdown in karate. Honorary. Yeah, yeah, but surely <laughs> he was probably decent. Yeah. He went to Japan and to film. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do that. Thomas Sean Connery, you know, shares my yeah. name. Yeah. Deeply underrated. Big Tom. Way back in the summer of 72, I took my son Geoffrey, who was then, I think, about seven, 
for a man-to-man -man lunch at the old White Elephant. And we were sitting in the back room, and my son at that age was preoccupied, as most boys are, whether their dad was bigger and stronger than anybody else. So he said, Dad, could you beat anybody up in here? Well, in those days, I didn't wear glasses, so I, I looked around the room, and they all looked fairly old. I said, sure, I could beat up anybody here. He said, but what about if uh, James Bond came in? I said, well, I'm going to be James Bond. He said, no, but I mean the real one, Sean Connery. <laughs> Needless to say, my son has not grown very tall. <laughs> but for me, it was an honor, Sean, to fill your shoes. And if you've got any other old ones lying around, I'd be very grateful. <laughs> I was asked if I'd be interested twice, which isn't quite the same thing as having yeah. an offer. Uh, the first time was many years ago when Sean gave up the part. And uh, I thought he was terrific. He was splendid. I'd seen Sean Connery in my local cinema back home as a kid. I'd sneaked in, I was underage, there were 16-year-old films then. And I thought he was great, I couldn't take a Was that Dr. No, the first one that yeah. you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's my favourite. I had just left the wild countryside of Ireland and moved to London. The very first week I was there, my parents took me to the pictures, as we called them then. This was not unusual in itself. We went to the movies a great deal in Ireland. But that day was different, because the movie was Goldfinger. Now, I had grown up watching black and white movies, but this picture was in Technicolor, and the image of that half-naked woman painted in gold was etched deeply in my 11-year-old Catholic psyche. But most importantly, that was the first time I'd seen Sean Connery. Yes, his character was suave and sophisticated, dangerous and sexy, but I also knew that the actor was a Scotsman, and the message that sends to a proud young Celtic kid is immeasurable. Time marched on, and years later I was filming The World Is Not Enough. One day I had to shoot this massive stunt, a big fireball sequence. The shot required me to hang on these wires as this ferocious fireball came hurtling down behind me, and of course do it all like James Bond would do it. Anyway, I did it, and we got the take, and I was dismissed for the day. But out in the parking lot as I was putting my gear into the back of the car, I looked up, and there was the big man, Sean Connery, standing there right in front of me. And he said, I've just seen what you did there. Very good. I was silent. And then he asked me a question, one that has stayed with me to this very day. He said, are they paying you enough money? <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I answered, and it didn't really matter, because the great man had seen me do my bit of bond and then he was gone. Sean, I have walked in your cinematic footsteps and danced in the shadow you have cast on film history. As an actor, I carry you both in my head and in my heart. You're a man who has marched to his own drum, who has created his own legend far greater than Bond, and who has done mighty work that will be cherished forever. And in many ways, I am still that 11-year-old boy a wash in the image of you and Goldfinger, and all the dreams that the movies give us. Mine have come true, in large part thanks to you. So guys, right, to conclude, we've just got a we've just got time, I think. Which of his favourite um, 
Bond films, which is your favourite of his performance or, or favourite film in general? I'll start with you, John. Uh, I'd probably just about go from Russia with Love. Oh. Uh, love Russia with Love, love Goldfinger. They're the two that are absolutely up there. Um, but I'm going to go from Russia with Love. I, th- I still think it's his best performance. I don't think it's... Um, I think he is far more of a movie star in Goldfinger. But as we did the review of From Russia With Love and we looked into the subtleties that he go through, I think that film really shows what a great actor Sean yeah. Connery is. And, uh, yeah, just a cracking film, cracking performance. He's the star. He's brilliant. Do you agree, Harry? Because, you know, when we've gone through these reviews, we've, like, we said, I think on... Um, we say it's not come out yet, but the the world is not enough review. Every film we've watched, you just find a new love for it, and you appreciate it more perhaps than we did. And was that was that for you? with from Rush with Love? I don't know whether that's your favourite. Well, yes, yeah, absolutely. The, um, you know, I, what he did in Doctor No is great and all that, but there's something also sometimes quite special about the second outing, the second movie, this, this where he's he's established himself, but by the second, he's he's absolutely embracing the role, but not in a, a scene-chewing way that's a distraction, but one that gets to the heart of the story and the heart of the character. And he, as, yeah, you know, if you've not listened to that episode, we, you know, analyse that film so much. And if anyone goes and watches it now with, you know, with the sad news of Sean passing, watching that film... And appreciating what a job he does as Sean, as James Bond in that mission, in that story, um, I like a lot of his others, his other outings as Bond. But it, it does have it has to be from Russia Love for me as well. Chris, do you reckon so? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, like you said, you're saying it's 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 the second film. It's it's not a fluke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that performance. Yeah, yeah. That everything about it isn't a fluke. He is. He is James Bond, and that performance in that film is is everything. Brilliant. And um, is anyone going to say something else just to be interesting? Other than no, I'm <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll chuck Goldfinger and Thunderball just in the mix. When I've watched Thunderball recently, I've always thought how how good he is. I don't know how good he looks in it, and how how much of a presence he is. And I just even love every time I see it. You know, at the end when uh, Largo is about to kill him, and then. Um, yeah. Domino shoots him from behind with the, the harpoon, and uh, she says, <laughs> "She says, I'm glad I killed him." And uh, Bond says, "You're glad." <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line so much. But you know, it works. it's not—it's not one of those where it completely reduces a dramatic moment. But I, I just really like that. And uh, yeah, I, I think any of these you could—you could say any of the first yeah, yeah. four, but. Yeah, I've got a real soft spot for, for Thunderbolt. And obviously, like I said, Goldfinger's like absolute peak. Sean Connery is James Bond. You know, the world is absolutely loving all this at the moment. And it's, it's hard to... There's so many scenes just in Goldfinger that we didn't mention. Like this, the golf scene, I mean, how good is he in that? He's absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. And then the fight with Oddjob. It's just... Like, I think, do we mention in the... The henchman episode, I think, we mentioned that you can see him sweating and struggling and it's a real physical strain to beat this guy and he uses his wits and, yeah, it's just totally believable. Goldfinger, I'm sorry, but it's 
Stop having a go at it. <laughs> Rob, Rob, what do you reckon? It's a difficult question, isn't it, really? But. Yeah, very much so. But I'm, I'm still... Um, I think the first Bond film I watched was Doctor Oh, right, OK. Um, so I still think, yeah, yeah. Doctor No. Because I, th- I think the whole thing, the love for this whole thing, the reason we're sitting here is all down to that one movie and that one opening. Um, exactly. Yeah, I-, I love everything that came from it. And I think From Russia With Love is a better film. I think from there, uh, Golfing is a better Bond film. Uh, but mm. arguably, it all for me hinges on From, uh, yeah. from Doctor No. So, yeah. From, from Doctor, Doctor No, Simone, awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> useless, absolutely useless. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I, he, but, but you could give me any of them opening yeah. four to watch on a weekend, and yeah. I'm happy. Well, no, I'm not just happy; I'm delighted. And he's he's like the main draw, isn't he, Doctor No? He's, yeah, yeah. He's just astonishing. Yeah. But he's brilliant. He's he's just absolutely brilliant. Sheesh. I just wish uh, you know, like now, having we haven't talked about it, I wish I'd been like we were talking before about being this age. Or not this yeah, yeah. No one wants to be thirty-seven back then. You know, I'd been deep into me uh, eighties. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, but if I was if I was ten, you know, like like my dad, like yeah, my yeah. dad. If I was my dad, yeah, watching this for the first time. I mean, I can only imagine the excitement. Really can. Yeah. So, sorry, Rob. Just from what you said about watching them, them first four. I really think once this lockdown's over, we should have a weekend where we should just all watch oh. all those four together. You know, oh, like, brilliant idea. Just, yes, yes, well, yeah. You know, when you just set it yeah. there, I'm just like five. Oh, yeah, yeah go five, on, five, five. You know, yeah. then we won't watch on the now. Yeah, go on. How about a Twitter <laughs> watch along with our, you know, with listeners? Oh, my word. Forget like, it. Let's just get a bank holiday and have the Bond marathon. Get Michael. Yeah, yeah. Get one day out. five Bond five. The first five yeah. Bond movies. No talking. Just drinking. Uh, no. T- <laughs> just yeah. Such just drinking God. and enjoying and Twitter interactions with our legends, Scarpine, yeah. Zorin Industries, yeah. Life's Just a Queer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These guys. This Zorin is Industries. Yeah. Well, yeah. with it is good though that um, you know one one aspect of. Us marking this, you know, this sad occasion kind of is that it will hopefully create a lot of um, people. It will generate a lot more interest in those films that they might not have gone back to. And like, you know, I've said from Russia with Love is my favourite, but I'd hope that people don't go back and just watch that, but they do watch all the ones around it, starting at Doctor No. They watch, they watch Sean Connery evolve as James Bond, and it's it's not a slow evolution at all. It's you know. Within minutes of him being on the screen, but the way they can, um, you know, just want people to take this opportunity now to go back and appreciate what this guy did um, with James Bond and kind of that whole this whole franchise that is still going today. Oh, so much is owed to him and those those initial films that he did. Absolutely, and you know, it's not just it's such a big part of British culture and film culture and everything. James Bond is just such a an icon, and you know the impact that that has had, and and Sean is massively, massively a big, you know, a huge, hugely responsible. I could only really just think about it, compare it almost with Christopher Reeve as Superman, in that impact of growing up just watching it, you don't even think he is he is Superman, isn't it? It's just, it's just that good, and everybody else is a sort of pretender to the throne, however good they are. And 
like like Connery, he was just okay. He had the comics and there the were TV serials to base it on, but he was nothing like that, was he? And he it, again, it's because he's an all rounder. First of all, like you said, Harry, be good in a fight. Like Christopher Reeve is a massive guy, but he's also extremely gentle and amazing at the the other scenes. And Connery is the same, isn't he? He's, He's not just a thug. I'm not. I'm not just talking about Daniel Craig. No, no. To be fair, Daniel. You know, Daniel Craig can act, but the humour is just spot on. The charisma, the, the even with women, like it's not. It doesn't feel forced or awkward. It doesn't feel like he's being inappropriate. Obviously, you know, there's the occasional slap in the arse, you know, and all that sort of stuff, which is isolated, isn't it? I just mean the t- t- the seduction and all that. It's you know that's acting. That's not just let's get a guy who's Mister Universe, uh, pop him in a suit, and go on here you go here your lines. It's, it's, it's difficult stuff. It really is, and the the, the achievement he's made is is amazing. Um, yeah, we 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 uh, we could go on and say is he our best Bond? I mean I don't know whether I dare ask that question. Seems a bit tasteless if you say no, really at the moment. <laughs> At the moment, it's yeah. also fresh, and obviously, uh, just going off the back of um, a conversation where I've just been reminded of all the things yeah, I love yeah, yeah. about it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it would be very hard not to say that. But um, I mean, he's definitely—I'd be amazed if he's not in anybody's yeah. top two or three. Well, John, no, I'm just... <laughs> yeah. as, I, as I said, it, they're all yeah. the top four interchangeable. I've always said that I don't think Connor is my favourite because I have my silly oh, yeah, yeah. ways of stuff. But there is, but there is no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the best. he's never better. He? When when Connor is, he's never been better. When Connor is on his peak, he is Bond. <laughs> I assume the rest of you agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking, what what an amazing line to. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. John, can you just no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant guys. But uh, thank you for trawling through the, the amazing career of Sean Connery as James Bond, like we say, never bettered and possibly imitated a few times. But he is James Bond. He always will be James Bond. But then, of course, at the same time, he was so much more. And some of those films we didn't really dwell too much on Indiana Jones I mean some of those scenes let it go Indiana just brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it Um, yeah he can do comedy in that he's so funny isn't he he can do deadly serious he can do action he can do romance this is what a leading man should be and there aren't enough of them around these days so yes it's very sad news to hear uh, the death of Sir Sean but uh, we've got his legacy. We've got all these films, and Chris, you've got you to thank for telling us about these amazing yeah, films in the seventies and eighties that very few of us have seen. So I'm looking forward to to watching them. I, I, I just <laughs> bought, you know, while, while you rounded up, I just bought The Offence and Gene Hackman. Oh, Rob, book, that's so. brilliant! What a, <laughs> absolutely. So. You know, I, who wins that? <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reviews of both those things, Rob. I, I really am. Dear me. And on that bombshell. So, so yeah, both at yeah, the same time, yeah. like, live reporting. Like, <laughs> oh, <flippin' heck. laughs> like, 
This is a bit grim. I need to dive back into that gritty uh, Gene Hackman thriller. I need to... <laughs> <laughs> Pop Zara's on. Just give me something. Yeah. Light relief, please. Fluffy. Deary me. Now, thanks, guys. Outstanding stuff, and we will be back very soon. But uh, yeah, this was the appropriate thing to do. We love Sean Connery, and we're going to talk about him in every episode of uh, the Really 007 podcast because he has such an indelible image on the series. And yeah, what a guy, Sean. We love you. We leave you now, listeners, and we can all say good night. Mr. Bond. Really the best. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.